Heather, MMBC family. It's good to be with you through the video today. It's been a while since we've done this with summer, just with youth camp and VBS and some other things going on. Just haven't had a Monday to come in here after the after Sunday to be able to talk together with all of us together. So we kind of had a little hiatus, but trying to get back on that. And so today's the day to do that. We're in a little series in Psalm. I don't know. We've done like four of them now, maybe. No, you did 51. I did 52. 72, 32. Yep, so we've done four of them so far. Got at least two more two more to go. I know you'll be preaching this coming week, Psalm 42, mm-hmm. right? Didn't yep. change that. Uh, Psalm 42 is where Pastor Scott will be. Uh, but this past week, Psalm 32 is where where we were at. And I started the service, I was trying to think this morning how I started the service and trying to remember everything I said. But I read the... Uh, parable that was given, that Jesus gave in Luke chapter 18 of, you know, the person going to the temple and saying, thankfully, I'm not a sinner. God, I thank you for this, where it sounds like a prayer of thanksgiving, but it's really a prayer of pride. And then you have this tax collector who is ashamed to even look, you know, into the temple, but what it says stands afar off and beats his chest and says, who am I, a sinner? And... I think it was a good reminder. I know for me, just when we do our services, we have this time of confession. And I know for some people, that's been a weird a weird addition, I guess, maybe to our services from the past. Of like, why are we bringing up our sin all of the time? But it really does something when we do that, I think, for the unity of us as believers, but even the unity for everybody who's in that room at that moment of whoever that might be. Because in, in our services, is always a different group. It's, all, it's always a different group. It's never really the same group. And we don't know who's in there. We don't know the people who've walked in these doors. But we do know this. We know that all of us come in there as sinners. Some of us saved by God's grace, some of us not. But yet still sinners. And so it would be, and this does happen, I think sometimes the church becomes like that person who stands and says, thank you that I am not a heathen like those people out there. Right. Thank you that you helped me to see the truth. And we might use certain languages of thank you that you saved me right? of this. But it, it becomes this prideful thing of I am not like them. you know. And we have to be leery of that because it, it really does infiltrate, I think, the churches. And having this time in our services each week to where we do, and sometimes it's brief, but <clears throat> read a passage of Scripture that deals that talks about our sin, and, and recognizing to God as a group, as a collective group, this week we sinned again. Like we have fallen short again. Um, really puts everybody on a level playing field. And I, I think it is helpful even for the non-believer who comes in to hear that type of language because it shows them hopefully the importance of grace. It shows them that we're people of grace, we're people of mercy. And it's mercy that God didn't have to do, but he has done. And, that, and then hopefully if the sermon is done well and the rest of the service is done well, by the end of the service, that invitation of grace will be extended to them as well. Mm-hmm. Like you can have this too, mm-hmm. the, same, the same grace that has saved us. Um, I just thought that was important to point out before getting into Psalm, to Psalm 32 because I think for some people it, does, it is weird maybe, like a weird part. You know, you, some churches you expect to go in and it's just like a, a rah-rah thing. And there's times that's really good. I mean, there's times you need some some rah-rah, uh, but you also need some reality, you know. It was funny. I was reading something uh, today. I was on, I was just looking at things. I went to Christianity Today, and it said four 
stats pastors need to know that might change the way they pastor. Like, ah, I'm interested to see what they have to say here. And one of it was like, did you know 62% of people said they will listen to your sermon if your sermon will help them in some way? I'm like, really, only 62% of people said that? I would think 100% of people would say they would listen to something that will help them. I mean, to me, that just goes with that mentality of the, let's just build everybody up. You know, let's just really encourage everybody. It's like, of course, that is a a good, I mean, of course, it's a stat. Mm -hmm. I didn't need Christianity Today to find that out for me. Um, But we have to recognize our sin. And this is what David does in Psalm 32 here. Uh, Again, it it could be connected with... uh, Psalm 51, which you preached. And I mentioned in there, I don't know, maybe you want to speak to this a little bit, Spencer, because you preached Psalm 51, but I had said how Psalm 51 seems more emotive, maybe, or like more in the midst of what was going on, or at least closer to that date than Psalm 32. But most people say Psalm 32 is in relation to David and Bathsheba as well. I don't know if you wanted to say anything to that. Do you think that was, maybe I'm wrong in thinking that? No, I don't mean, I don't know exactly... And I guess none of us know exactly when the time was. There's a difference in maybe orientation. Psalm 51 is really the sinner alone before God. Yeah. And um, David has written that um, in a in a in a in a way to help all of us because we're told it was for the choir master. So it was meant to be a communal song, but especially as individual sinners speaking and praying to our Lord against whom we sinned against, but who is gracious to us. This one is more David instructing and us speaking to each other. Blessed is the one who is forgiven. Uh, so we're so now David is doing, remember he said earlier in Psalm 51, I will teach transgressors your ways. Well, this is David teaching the transgressors the ways of the Lord. He's telling them, what happened with him, but what happened with him is just simply the gospel message. Mm-hmm. This is a great blessing. When I sinned, this is what happened to me when I didn't repent of it. But then whenever I confess my sin, the Lord restored me. And therefore, you all of you should taste what I've got mm-hmm. in, in Christ. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what he's doing in mm-hmm. Psalm 32. The It's maybe more horizontal. It's The, the, right. the vertical's not forgotten, yeah. but no, right. it's, kind of, yeah. it's kind of in that sense instead of that other way. Yeah, I would almost say in in 32, verses 3 through 5 is expanded in Psalm 51. Like in Psalm 51, Mm -hmm. we see, like you said, very written, very personally Mm -hmm. and honestly, David struggling, his bones wasting away, all this stuff. But we also see in Psalm 51 where he acknowledges his sin and where Mm -hmm. he's forgiven. Mm -hmm. Right? We we see that in a very intimate, personal way uh, in there. Um, But this idea of forgiveness that we see flowing through 32 uh, is something that is very important for us as Christians to understand uh, today. And David, of course, does a very good job of, of writing it out poetically and in a good way. And he ends in worship, uh, like we talked about yesterday, uh, some there. But I do want to ask this too. I think it was Christopher Ashe in his book on Psalms. He's got like two little volumes on, on Psalms. One, one is kind of a commentary on all the psalms. The other one is trying to help us to figure out how to read the psalms and talk about psalms. And I remember reading that once and him saying what I said yesterday about the fact that Jesus sang these psalms. Like as a boy, uh, as an adult probably still, would sing these psalms. However they would sing it, however they do it, maybe you know we get hymns stuck in our head 
and it's just like there mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever. He has these things. And, and what is going through Christ's mind, the Savior's mind, when he begins to sing Psalm 32, and he says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Like just trying to think of that in terms of, of Christ singing this psalm and us as Christians today, looking back at that, you know, Jesus knowing, I'm cover, I'm going to cover that sin with my blood, like with my sacrifice. This is what's going to take place. And just, uh, I, I, it's just, a, it was an interesting thing when I read that mm-hmm. Christopher Ashe's book to start reading the Psalms in that way. Read it mm-hmm. thinking, Jesus has sung this. Mm-hmm. Was it, in, I don't, again, mm-hmm. not like some huge epiphany thing, but right. for me, it kind of was like, yeah. wow, yeah, he would have sung these things. But it, it's helped me in trying to study the Psalms and interpret the Psalms as a New Testament believer of what Christ has done, but also still trying to keep it in a historical context, uh, which I tried to do in this passage yesterday, talking about the Holy of Holies and what David might have been thinking about there when he was talking about sin covering, covering the mercy seat, right? Covering the te- uh, the Holy of Holies and all that, the cherubim. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just always found that interesting of trying to interpret the Psalms in light of, mm-hmm. in light of Christ, of him singing these. But verses 1 and 2, we see blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no there is no deceit. This word blessed is uh, interesting. I know me and you talked about this a little bit, and you were saying there's two there's two versions of blessed. You want to uh, talk about that real quick? Yeah, I mean there's a um, there's a blessing in one sense. God blesses us, and we bless God back. And that could be more of like a vertical understanding of blessing. And God blesses us by giving us prosperity or giving us forgiveness is blessing us. But then this word for blessed is, I believe, the same one that's used in Psalm 1. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, is you could say how happy or the point is, is I'm looking at that guy over there and I'm saying that guy's in a really good spot right now. And I wish I was in his position. That's mm-hmm. kind of the way this is. And David here is saying, the one whose transgression is forgiven is in a really good place that you want to be in. That's kind of the idea here. It's almost like I'm jealous. I want that too, in a good sense. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the word used here. Oh, how blessed, how happy is the man. He's in a good place, an envious position when his sin is forgiven. Mm-hmm. And David's about ready to tell us how we can experience <clears throat> that what, that prosperous place. So really, you talked about the raw, raw Sermon. This is a raw raw psalm. Yeah. Right, right. This is this is the best stuff we've got to mm-hmm. offer you. Yeah. It, it's an awesome. It's the, you want to be in a good place. Have your sin forgiven. Right. Um, by God. Yeah, I think we take that for granted. And I <clears throat> I told you guys before the video started, you know, we we're talking about this and talking about Sunday a little bit, and how to me yesterday felt very heavy. As I was looking at people's faces as I'm preaching, it feels very very heavy because we're talking about our sin and our need to confess our sin and to repent of our sin. And I know that that's a heavy feeling because honestly, well, I hope we're embarrassed by our sin. We're embarrassed by the things that we do. And we all know that because sometimes we get called out on it by family members or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. And normally, I know for me, when I, if I get embarrassed in that way, I fight back. Yeah. And that's just a sign of I'm embarrassed. You caught me mm-hmm. and now I'm embarrassed because you're right, right? You're absolutely right. And what? In my sin here, and it felt that way in the in the service. But in my mind, I was thinking. But when I get to verse five here in a moment, it's going to change. Hmm. 
the feeling in the room is going to change. It's going to start to be a rah-rah thing because we're going to see what he says in verse 5. When you ask for forgiveness, it's there. It is there. God will forgive you. Uh, but it still seemed weighty after that. And <clears throat> I, I was personally struggling with that because I'm like, man, am I not doing a good job of this? But really what I think it is, this is what I think it is. I think we take for granted forgiveness as Christians. Um, I've been saved a while now. I've been raised in church my whole life. And so forgiveness has been taught. Forgiveness has been talked about. But it's almost like we treat it like God was saying, yeah, no big deal. I forgive you. I mean, it's all right. We're good. And <clears throat> that's not it. You know, that's not what happened. I mean, David David uses four words here. I didn't I didn't mention this, but I saw it in a lot of places. He uses four words here to talk about how bad we are. Transgression, sin, um, iniquity, and deceit. <clears throat> in the ESV here. Those four words. And basically covers everything when it comes to sin. Of when the Bible is talking about our sin nature, our sinfulness, all this stuff. These usually are the words that are that are used here. And so it's like David is almost painting a picture of, Blessed is the one who was a rotten, dirty, horrible scoundrel. Like the worst of the worst. You have all of these things, but yet you are forgiven in this. Happy is that man. Mm-hmm. Happy mm-hmm. is that person. Um. And I just think maybe in church culture, we've started taking that for granted. I don't know if you guys want to speak to that at all or disagree with me, which would be fine. That's the purpose of these videos. We can talk about it. But just this idea of taking forgiveness for for granted. Mm. I don't know. No, I mean, I think we do take forgiveness for granted. There's a lot of reasons I think it could feel weighty on a person. I think you even said this in your sermon is that a lot of times we don't confess our sin because we like yeah. Our sin, and mm-hmm. we enjoy it, and that's a lot of times why people will stay away from church in general, is because they know they're going to hear and be reminded, the way I live is sinful, yeah, and it needs to. I need to be forgiven for that. Um, but people that are lost and blinded by their sin want to stay mm-hmm. in their sin, mm-hmm. um, and so I think there's a lot of reasons why. But even I think a big a big one, especially for those who are even already believers is just the aspect of confessing something that is could be particularly embarrassing or would make them lose their reputation that they maybe have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and we don't really see, we don't really see much, I don't think many examples of what forgiveness looks like after somebody has committed a, 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 a cultural sin or something, right? What you see now is if you've ever failed, you're going to be, you know, taken down, you're going to be canceled, you're going to be thrust aside, you're going to be thrown to the wolves. Mm-hmm. And so that's what is, that's what generally happens in our world, especially now. Um, and so I think that when you tell people, if you confess your sin, you will be forgiven for your sin, is the, the, the promise that we have there. It's kind of hard to believe because we don't really see many examples of that in the world today, I don't yeah. think. No, I think you're right. Um, I remember a story not too long ago. Was it was it a police officer maybe who had shot somebody or something? But like the brother of the one who had died had went in the courtroom. Remember and hugged yeah. and hugged the lady yeah. who was the police officer. Mm-hmm. So I remember the media making a big deal of it because it was forgiven. He said to her, "I forgive you mm-hmm. of everything." But he it was through Christ. I remember mm-hmm. that person was a Christian. And Even stuff. there was like what comes to mind. There was another similar, <clears throat> maybe not similar situation, but like I think was it a group of Mennonites or something like that. 
a person had come in and mm-hmm. done like a mass shooting or something, but the group came in explicitly just to communicate that they forgive that person for yeah, what they've done. Right. And, uh, and that's just crazy to our culture to see that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so when people today on social media, on the news, um, when, when something bad is found out about somebody, what generally happens is that it is just made to look even worse and mm-hmm. their name is drugged through the mud mm-hmm. and to completely destroy that person. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and I think that's what people tend to think will happen to them if they are actually found out. Yeah. Um, and, but that's exactly why what we were talking about at the beginning of this, of that we, that's why we have a time of confession in our services is to mm. say that is exactly what all of us deserve but that God offers us forgiveness instead. And that's what's so amazing about the gospel. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, um, I just think it's hard to believe sometimes. Yeah. In movies and in plays and stuff that we watch, there'll be characters that do something wrong. And in some movies or plays, <clears throat> we still like that character. And the story we're build, where we're, where we're saying to the other people in the movie, forgive them. Bring them back in. Like, they made a mistake. Yeah, it was bad, but you need to forgive them. There's other movies where the person you're, you know, the way that the directors and stuff have it done is you don't like that character. And so then you find yourself saying, don't forgive them. No, they're a scoundrel. They're just going to do it to you again, right? Don't fall into this trap. And we see this in the, in the movies. In our lives, most of the time, we put ourselves as that good character. Like, you should forgive me because I didn't really mean that. I'm actually really a good person. You know what I mean? And that's how then I think a lot of times we approach God with our sin. God, you know me. You know I'm a pretty good person. You know that I, you know, I've been in church a lot. And I've read my Bible some or whatever. You, you know this about me, and so I'm just seeking forgiveness. And then we see, well, forgiveness is there. It's like, okay, good. Yeah, thanks, you know. But <laughs> yeah. that's not the case. The case is we're the bad character that everybody is screaming in the movie theater. Don't let them back in. Like, don't do this. They're... They've proven they're bad over and over again. That's actually who we are in this story. And we shouldn't receive forgiveness. We shouldn't, our iniquity should not be washed away from us. We should be seen as deceitful and liars. We shouldn't, none of that. But what David is writing here is saying, blessed is the one who all that stuff about them actually is forgiven. And when he gets to verse 5, he says, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And we see that in the New Testament as well with Christ. That those who are truly seeking forgiveness of their sin will not be turned away from the forgiveness. It it is there. And so, like you were saying, Spencer, this is a psalm that is a rah-rah cheerleader type of psalm. Mm -hmm. Of saying, listen people, people of God, those who are apart from God, when you seek God's face for forgiveness, it is 100% there and guaranteed and it's not forgiveness like between me and you where I forgive you, but I'm still watching my back. It's not even that. It's not even that type of forgiveness. It's complete, total forgiveness mm-hmm. filled with love, filled with all of the goodness and kindness of God is, is there. You know. So I guess that leads to the question, though. Why do we struggle with this then? Why do we, uh, more as Christians, okay, not as, not as non-Christians, why do we continue to struggle to go to God regularly seeking forgiveness of sins? <clears throat> I mean, I think you talked about it. We're embarrassed, um, which is 
it's not fun, but it's a good thing that we're embarrassed. Yeah. Because it shows us that we at least real. It's like our, our God created us with inborn sensors, alarm <laughs> bells to say something's wrong here. Um, sometimes those can be wrong, but oftentimes they're not. Um, I think also um, we struggle um, with this as well, just because um, we still hold ourselves higher than we should. Uh, you know, we, like you said, we sometimes we'll confess, you know, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm really not that bad. I did screw up here. I did that isolated sin there. I did that. But overall, I still get an A minus for the day. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says no matter what you think about yourself or what other people think about you, you're worse by yourself. I mean, don't worry. You're not going to put yourself any lower than what you really are yeah. in God's sight. And then that really then reminds us of, uh, so we need to have a, a full proclamation of the law of God. Um, Luther one time was talking to somebody, it was actually his right-hand guy, Philip Melanchthon, who struggled with things, and he told Philip, he said, he used the phrase, he used the phrase saying sin boldly, but what he meant by that is God doesn't save fake sinners. He saves real ones. And I think that's what we have to realize in the church. We are redeemed and we are growing in sanctification, praise God. But we are still, we're still real sinners. We're not fake ones. Yeah. And, and that means that um, all of those kinds of people that Jesus saves, you're not actually different from them. You may not have done those things full on with your hands, but in your heart, that's who you are. Mm-hmm. You're a real sinner. Just own it. It's okay to own it because that's who you are. And then grace can really just be grace because you're not trying to earn it anymore because you really are just like that that sinful woman that came to Jesus and yeah. lived at his feet and wept and wiped his feet with her hair. And the, and the other guy said, why in the world is she here? Don't you know who she is? Well, that's actually supposed to be you. And what did Jesus say? He who is forgiven much loveth much. Yeah. And sometimes I think we don't. I think we all forget how much we've been forgiven because we don't think we need to be forgiven that much. So we love the Lord little. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it all goes hand in hand, the law and the gospel. We have to really believe our problem's that bad because this gospel message is that good. And that's why Paul quotes it in Romans. Right. right. Paul is saying, really, the the substance of my gospel is found in Psalm 32. Blessed is the one who should... That's really all I've got to bring you, Romans. Yeah. Is just this. I'm going to exposit the full, you know, this Mm -hmm. whole gamut of salvation to you. But sum and substance is right there. Um, That's what we have to offer the world. And it's a wonderful message. Right. Yeah. I think sometimes what can happen is that we forget... I don't know if this is the right way to say this or not, but just the spiritual... The spirituality of our faith Mm -hmm. of that... Especially for those like maybe who, like you said, this is for people who are already Christians. For those who have been Christian for a while, our faith becomes more about the things that we do for God than it does than it is about what God has done for us. Mm-hmm. And we just tend to lose focus of 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 that. And yeah. and our faith is more about I'm going to go to church today because this is what God wants me to do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be involved in this ministry because that's the good thing for me to do. Uh, as opposed to going to church regularly to remind myself of the grace and forgiveness I have in mm-hmm. Christ, to try to bring other people to that as well. And so I think that we can just lose focus about what um, 
what the focus is, lose focus of the focus, that doesn't sound very good, but of what the point is of all of this. Um, the point is not for you to have necessarily like renewed purpose of like, this is what I do. This is yeah. the things mm-hmm. I'm involved in, or this is even my social club. This is my friends. Um, there's, there's always the spiritual nature that we tend to lose easily, I think. Oh, I think too. Uh, another thing is, I remember Jesus in John 13 when he goes down to wash the disciples' feet. Picture of whole of salvation. Peter's embarrassed <clears throat> by the fact that Jesus has to be the one. The Lord has to be the one to go down and make him clean. There's a there's an embarrassment by the and a holy. I guess it's a good embarrassment that we experience by the fact that we realize I did this, and even as Christians, I've sinned against grace thousands of times. I did that fully intending to do it, and I knew it was wrong beforehand, and I still did it. And yet, there's nothing I can do to make up for it. And that's what, there's that passage in Ezekiel 2, uh, Ezekiel chapter 16, where the Lord is talking about Israel's sin, saying, you've done all this, you've done all this, you've done all this wrong, but I'm going to atone for you. And there's, I forget how he says it, but there's almost like there's going to be this shame in Israel. The Lord's atoning for their sin, but there's a holy shame in what we've done. I can't make up for this, but you're still going to be willing to die for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm ashamed of the fact that I have not loved you in response as I should. Um, and that's good, though, that we feel that, because we should feel a holy shame that should produce repentance and faith. Yeah, hopefully what that leads to is us trying to do better as yeah. Christians. Yeah. Because I know, Be holy. Yeah, be holy. And, and sometimes that's seen as a bad thing because we get scared that we're going to produce a bunch of legalistic Christians who are just trying to appease a wrathful, wrathful God mm-hmm. with their obedience. But no, when we have this understanding of forgiveness and we what you mm-hmm. just said, Spencer, we have this understanding that we've sinned against grace a thousand times, but yet He still forgives, He still loves, and He still cares. Mm-hmm. That what that drives us to do, what it should drive us to do, is to then do better. And the great thing about that is God actually has enabled us to be able to do better by the power of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit, to to live in our lives, to be able to enable us to do good works. And so we actually can in our lives as Christians see ourselves overcoming sin in our life. So, you know, whatever that whatever that sin might be in your life, you know, maybe it's uh maybe it's like a language thing. Maybe it's you use bad language or something. God actually has empowered Christians to be able to overcome that, to get better at it. You might not ever be perfect at it, but you can see improvement in it or things that you watch or anger issues or whatever whatever it might be. There is a way to get to get better in those things, and God has done that. And hopefully in our lives we, we see that. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be a sharp incline like this. Like, look how much better I'm getting. A lot of times in our lives it's like this 80-year mm-hmm. <laughs> slow incline of mm-hmm. getting of getting better that God is working in our lives. But it's something that we should it's something that we should do. It's funny as you guys were talking. I'm not trying okay, the example I'm gonna use, I'm not saying that this is the worst sin in the world and these people are all bad. And I'm not thinking of anybody in particular when I say this. I need my family to I'm know. really interested. I need my family to know this. But I was thinking about people who are late all the time. They're late to things. Most of the time what I get when people are late is they say they tell me, I can't help it. You don't understand. I can't help it. It's just I lose track of time. The next thing I know, I'm I'm late, and it's like, yeah, but you're you're always late. You just don't understand. You don't understand, and it's like, no, I do. I mean, if you would get up earlier, you would be at places on time. Or if you weren't so selfish, 
and thought your time was more important than everybody else, right? Well, it's just who I am, sometimes they'll say. Well, I, I've run across Christians who are that way, though, with sin. Like, I'm a sinner. It's just mm-hmm. what I do. Mm-hmm. And grace, are you going to tell me something other than grace? No, nope, grace covers it, so kind of get off my back. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, Paul deals with this pretty sp- explicitly in Romans, but we don't need to have that attitude, and I'm fearful that some Christians do have that attitude. And it's like, no, I want to be like Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 9, with the with the runner who runs for the prize and strives for greatness, you you are striving for greatness. Mm-hmm. Not again. I'm not earning anything. I'm not. Christ has done that work, but if He actually has forgiven me of all these sins, and He continues to, and He has promised to do that in the future, of the times that I veer off the straight path, mm-hmm. He will get me. I will be back on the straight path. I will be seen through the blood of Christ. You tell me all that's true. Well, then absolutely, what I should try to do is I should try to live by this word. I should try to make my Savior happy, right, with, the, with obedience to Him. Mm-hmm. And so there is this delicate balancing act, like mm-hmm. you were talking about, embarrassed. There should be some embarrassment, but we also shouldn't be completely uh, comatose because of our embarrassment at the same time, mm-hmm. because we know God has relieved mm-hmm. us from our embarrassment. I hope, mm-hmm. that, I hope that kind of, mm-hmm. kind of makes sense. Of what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. so I just I know I've counseled people in my office before who are completely crushed by guilt, and it's like you're telling them, you know, get up off your feet. That has been forgiven, but then at other times you have people where you're like, do you feel any shame at all for the life you're living right now? It's like I don't know if you do, and so as Christians we do kind of walk in this I would say this line of of both and mm-hmm. uh, that we try to mm-hmm. try to grasp, and it can be can be difficult, and I think for all of us in our lives, we see times when we, we go one way, there's times when we go the other way. Um, but this psalm, I think, has been a, is a good reminder for us that forgiveness is there, that God continues to pour out forgiveness. And then the reminder of, of verse 8, where he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Just this loving care that God gives us of not even just not even just forgiving us, but then his eye is upon us. And it's not an eye of like, what'd you just do? Oh, I saw that. It's an eye of care, mm-hmm. right? It's an eye of love. It's an eye of counsel. Mm-hmm. Of, of, of the, and it's, it's just really a beautiful thing that mm-hmm. uh, David has given us there. Well, I know I didn't go through, I didn't go through all these verse by verse. We kind of talked about it in a little different, different way than normal. I don't know if you guys got anything to add with what has been said so far with Psalm 32. No. <clears throat> Well, we're looking forward to Psalm 42 uh, next week from Pastor Scott. And so if you're watching this video, you can uh, uh, maybe read ahead and look at Psalm 42. And then I'll actually do Psalm 62 the next week as the plan right now. I'm just going to stick with twos. So then 152 seems to be easy. would be the... Is that what you're doing? 152, is that the last one? I'll write that one later. <laughs> okay. But we'll preach it as if. Okay, preach it as if. As if it, okay. It'd be hilarious <laughs> if you actually did that. A whole sermon and everybody sitting there the whole time really confused. The whole time trying like, to find it in their Psalm Bible. Psalm 152. Ah! I, actually, I think it's I in did, the appendix. I did that to poor Mert once. I remember she came up to me after and she's like, you said Deuteronomy something and I can't find that anywhere. And I actually just had a typo on my thing. And I'm like, yeah, I did say that. That doesn't exist. So the whole time she's just like, I don't She see. was the only person in the church <laughs> using her Bible. Yeah, Everyone like, else was like, I don't see that anywhere. I don't know where he's getting <laughs> But it's amazing. <laughs> she called me out. I'm like, hey, you were right. I typed that wrong. <laughs> Sorry. But anyways. Well, I'm glad that you watched. I'm glad that you're with us. Look forward to seeing you Sunday. Hope you guys have a blessed week. Phyllis.